The following program is an abridged audio version of the streaming video talk show, A Wonderful Chaos. The hosts are Andy Chaliff and Bambos Dimitriou. The format is entirely casual, unscripted conversation. If you'd like to watch a live taping or participate with your comments in real time, subscribe to A Wonderful Chaos on YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, or Twitch. What really, when that happened was I met a girl who I started dating who wasn't into the party scene. So she started my journey on a greater level because I was staying in when I was usually out partying. And it was making me more sober and making me feel things that I didn't feel before and see things that I didn't see before. I felt like an ambition I want to create. I want to, you know, make things happen. It was awesome to feel that. It's a wonderful chaos. Solo or tandem. We work to find rest and fight to find peace. Both head and the heart. What are we doing here? You mean listening to this show? Where the more that you learn is the less that you know. Where the wounded are healers. And the atheists pray? It's a wonderful chaos and we like it that way. It's a wonderful chaos and we like it that way. It's a wonderful chaos and we like it that way. Hello, Andy Shaler. Hello, Bambos Dimitri. Funny yeah, seeing you, you, you here. You skipped my middle name. Bambos Charles Dimitri. <laughs> you know, I don't even know if it's really your middle name. It, it, it is. No, Bambos is my middle name. I know. So it should be Charles Bambos Dimitri. Yeah. And we're busy with middle names because today we have Philip, Philip Anthony, Anthony Mangon. Mangan. Mangan. And he uh, he's coming on to talk to us about numbing himself for many years and then becoming a vegetarian. And it's an interesting subject because he says that he stopped numbing himself and yeah. became a vegetarian. And I know from my own life during the time that I was a drug addict, mm. I had no effing consciousness of what I was putting in my body. I was raised to eat. Mm. And as long as I, I my, my mother's uh, love language is just feeding us. So I, all I knew is I was eating, there was a bit of salad, there was a lot of meat, that was it. But I never questioned back, back in those times what I was putting in my body. And it was only until uh, I overdosed and I kind of said, okay, this doesn't make sense anymore. I need to change my lifestyle. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it was crazy. I moved out of the community of drug addicts that I was living with. I got a, my first job. I, I started... I bumped into a workshop of raw food, veganism, and all of a sudden my life ch- shifted because I saw that I started attracting that community. And, yeah. and raw food back then um, was a really was really new in uh, the Netherlands, and it was funny because I started eating meat again in March of 2020. Yeah. Yeah, I remember thinking it was so weird because you had been veggie for so so long, yeah. and then you turned back again. Well, uh, truth be told, uh, the reason I went back to it is because I, I've been experimenting with my diet, and it, for me, it's always about energy. And I just saw that I train about two or three hours a day, mm. and I and energetically I was dead. Okay, 
And I knew that there was, and I was fasting and not eating a lot or, or I'm eating at certain times of the day and nothing was working for me. And then I'm in Cyprus in March last year, just before COVID hit. And I'm walking down the street. I was going towards the restaurant where I always had my salad and they, they wouldn't charge me because this is not food, they would say. <laughs> so, and, and the woman there is like, I, I know that her sons have a farm and that's where the meat comes from. And I smelled the chicken kebab. I'm like, one chicken kebab pizza. No. Yeah. How long had it been since you'd eaten meat for, to that point? Since the age of 25. So I'm 44 now. So you hadn't eaten meat in that many years? Yeah. That's amazing. And, and, and how and, did it, just, just slow down. How did it feel in your mouth? Like I felt, not in my mouth, I felt guilty. I was like, fuck, I'm eating this. And every, anyone that I might know might walk in this restaurant any moment. <laughs> You're like a closet smoker. All of a sudden it's like, look at, oh my God, I got it. <laughs> I had to stop eating. And I'm like, wow, if I'm not going to enjoy this, then better I don't do it. Wow. And there was a moment where I made a picture of myself and I sent it to a few friends so I can sit down and enjoy it. <laughs> like that's, that's what I had to do too. Like, and of course I got a lot of messages like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, well, I, uh, I, the title and why I liked this title was for similar reasons as you just had was I noticed, and I still do notice that if I'm exhausted or overwhelmed, that I will go to food and uh, and just eat unconsciously, and then that'll create a negative reinforcing loop. Like I'll feel, and so you're gonna laugh. I'm not gonna laugh. On Monday night, I think it was after the photo shoot here. It was Tuesday night. What do you think I did? For you, the first... you you had the cookie. I I know that no. much. If I had a cookie, we would not be talking about it on air. I got a bag of Doritos. <gasps> I didn't actually get the bag. Ronnie went and got a bag of Doritos. So now I haven't eaten that crap in I think over a year. I'm at 90 kilos right Don't now. Don't put your stomach in, please. Okay. Uh. So, and I eat it and I, I have cold sweats in the evening because my body is not used to processing that crap. So, I, I, the, the first time I eat it after a year when my body's gotten more clean is now having a wrong, strong reaction. So, I, I do see the consequence. Beautiful. Yeah. Which you always talk about, by the way, when you're eating your food. But I think we can bring... Philip Anthony on. Yeah. It's, it feels like you should be married to JLo or something. Like, <laughs> Why? Because yeah. I got I got to use my middle name or something. Yeah, I don't exactly. Because she, she, she was married that. to Michael Anthony. I think the guy's name was. No, she, she actually is not anymore. She. <laughs> so you can marry her. <laughs> yeah, you can. She's available. She's, I think she's with Ben Affleck right now again. <laughs> oh, wow. That's quite fascinating. Well, the, the thing, just, just to finish off, yeah, the thing please. you said about Doritos. So I don't eat any sugar and I don't and that includes fruit, sugars. Yeah. And I also don't eat um, carbs, which also is in sweet potato or carrots, for example. And what I've seen energetically, that was a big game changer for me. So I recently invested in a book, uh, Vegetarian Diet for Athletes. Mm. And now I, I'm, I, I'm seeing that I want to transition again back to at least vegetarian, if not vegan again. But I want to do it in a way that serves me and not because it's right or wrong. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'll, I'll I'll pay the extra ten euros for a for a chicken, a piece of little organic chicken. So, but at least at, at least that's the investment, and I'm not going to overeat on it. So, one um, chicken fillet, yeah, is four meals for me, wow. as opposed oh, to wow. a whole meal. So, oh, I'll break it. it down. That's good. Wow. Well, I don't know if it's good, but it's my way. 
Well, what? Well, I mean, I totally agree with you. Like, if you're buying good stuff and it has more nutrients in it, then you're going to be fuller, and rather than just buying crap food and then eating it and then like yearning for more. I mean, yeah. there's a there's a book actually, the Dorito effect. And it talks all about that. Actually, the fact that you just mentioned the Doritos, but the Doritos are made um, with like natural flavors, which aren't flavors, but the way like the, you know, most of them are scientifically made in a lab, but they are derived from one thing that comes from a plant and our, our minds play tricks on us thinking that we're getting a plant. So like say, and that's why we can't stop eating Doritos or that's why we can't stop eating things that have these natural flavors in it because our minds think we're getting something that we're not getting. It's crazy. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. So take us back to 2014. I kind of put in like the prior, you were kind of self-indulgent and uh, living the high life from the point you graduated from college and then the next 10 years. So what happens to you from like that point? And when do you start seeing any patterns? And Bambos doesn't want me to continue this question. So I'm going to go to him. I'm curious, what were you indulging in before we go to that question? I just, just alcohol, you know, just, just drinking a lot. I mean, it was, it's funny. Cause like when I, I never drank in high school. So when I went away to college, I feel like I just let loose and it it kind of just was my outlet and maybe I was a bit of a shy kid in, in uh, high school more so. So then it kind of opened me up and I felt like kind of maybe more community with like the drinking in that manner. And from there on, it just kind of really just continued like, oh, this is this is fun. But even though like from an early age in that drinking mentality, it, I was blacking out a lot. So I should have like said, hey, there's something wrong. But of course I didn't. Yeah, it became a lifestyle in a way. Yeah, correct. And, and was there drinking issues in your family before? Was it no. something that you saw in your life or it was? No, 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 not at all. I don't think. I think it was just kind of um, me looking for a way to connect, to be honest. I think there was something uh, that I wasn't getting and... I think most people do things out of, you know, wanting love. And yeah. I think mm. that was kind of my, my way of doing it. And then once I started, it wasn't that it was an addiction because I was able to, I'll talk about like being able to kind of really cut it off. But I think it was just more of that uh, desire to be in that scene. And mm. that was what was driving me rather than like the alcohol mm. driving me. Like I need this yeah. in that way. Would you say you enjoyed the taste or did you enjoy the feeling it gave you? The feeling. Yeah. I mean, it was a lot of times it was just taking shots or something. So how can you really enjoy the taste in that manner? You're really getting, it was really drinking to get drunk. Like when someone told me, like when someone would tell me, Hey, you know, like they see someone just having one beer or having one drink. I'm like, that's dumb basically my mentality at the time was yeah. why would you drink if you're not trying to get drunk? And I never understood it like that. Yeah. Um, back in the days I used to coach men how to approach women in a more healthy way, let's say, because mm -hmm. the, the tendency was drink, give the woman a lot of drinks and then that would be their, their game. Mm -hmm. And and also because they're drinking, they're getting a lot of high. And I'm yeah. wondering how do you how would you connect to that story? Oh uh, yeah, I think that was. I mean, I never. I guess the best way to put it is I never went out in search of women all the time. Like a lot of people, like that makes or breaks their night. 
It wasn't yeah. like, it wasn't like, this is my intention. I'm going out to find a girl, but if that happens, awesome. But my more, my intention was, I just want to go have fun and be around my friends or people and, and channel that mentality and whatever else happens beyond that. Cool. So I think it was really, like I said, kind of the, just the wanting that connection. I mean, like I said, I was kind of a shy kid in high school and kind of really in with my feelings in certain ways, like just kind of, I'd like to write, but I just saw a lot of the things that I was writing in high school, like very sad and kind of like yearning for that kind of connection. So I think as far as women goes, it does make it a lot easier to talk to. I mean, when you have some drinks in you and they're doing, they're drinking as well, it, it kind of just takes it, takes it down a notch of like being extreme as far as like the pressure, because you're not afraid about being rejected because you're not actually feeling that rejection. Yeah. It's being numbed. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> You said something that that uh, hit me was when you talked about being part of the scene. And I, I often see when I'm like working or coaching with younger people mm -hmm. that there is a desire to have like your cake and eat it, too. Like they want to be in that scene and they also want to do personal development work. And I've seen the scene evolve a little bit. So it doesn't necessarily mean the scene is going to drink in bars and getting drunk. It may be going to spiritual outings mm -hmm. where we have a peak experience, yeah. but we can, we can call it uh, uh, more of a spiritual sp experience. So now we don't have to feel bad mm -hmm. that we're searching out for uh, like the adrenaline kick yeah. that comes with it. It's still masked. It's still masked, but it but it looks as as though it isn't as masked because it has this word. We're going to do connection exercises together at, in a in a uh, in a retreat center where it's all single men and women. You know, yeah. I mean, I like that it's evolving into that a little bit because I mean, then it's like, um, I mean, I wish there was more of that um, openness to connecting to your emotions and in spiritual, you know, you know that we have now. I mean, obviously, everyone is m a little bit more with it than. 20 years ago when I started college. So, you know, that's great that people have that outlet if they choose, but I still think the majority of people still lean towards the other side. It's, it, I, I haven't come across, like, it's not like you're coming across people that are so mindful every day. Um, you know, even seeing a lot of stories about it either, you know, it's more of the rarer stories, which is yeah. great that it still exists. But at the same time, I think there's got to be bigger shifts to be made before it, it becomes the norm. I just want to share something quickly to this. Yeah. Ronnie, my wife came to me, I guess two or three days ago. And she said, Andy, there's a real shift in, in like the world. When I was young, it was cool to be a rebel. Like as a rebel, it was cool. And now it's cool to be part of the group and care about society. So like you could, if you're smoking at her age, it was like, that was the cool thing, these rebels. And now uh -huh. those are not the people that are cool anymore. It's the people that are conscious about the environment and wanting mm -hmm. to make real change. So yeah. I thought that was quite uh, interesting yeah. that she, she pointed that out. Yeah. I think, I think, I mean, obviously, especially the generation that's a bit younger than me, they, you know, they have been raised that way to seeing all the problems that are happening and that it is cool to care. Um, I think for me, it, it like in my shift, I started really picking up on like, if I don't give a shit about myself, I'm not going to be able to give a shit about anything else on a grander scale. And I, until I made that shift, I wasn't able to see things that I didn't see before. Like thinking about how, like when I was in 
middle school, they're teaching you about like, you know, plastics bad and recycle or even like going into college where I'm like, uh, you know, partying and using plastic cups and then running a party bus company and throwing, you know, th- not even giving it a second thought, but then to stopping to numb myself, caring about myself. And then you start looking outward on, oh, wow, I didn't see this in this Impact. way. Before. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. C- can you can you take me back to the moment where you decided to stop drinking? Like, how were you how were you experiencing that moment? Well, I never decided to stop drinking completely because I still will have a drink here and there. It wasn't like I need to quit alcohol um, completely. Uh, it was more like I need to do something differently. I feel like this desire and it, it happened actually. So a little bit about my background is when I graduated, when I graduated college, I never knew what I wanted to do with my life. So I kind of just, since I was good at partying, ended up creating a party bus company. And, and what, did your, what did your parents think of that, by the way? Oh man, I didn't, I didn't tell them for, for a little bit of time. I think, <laughs> I, I think I hit it. I hit it from them for, for almost two years oh, because, wow. because also I knew approaching them um, about it. I needed to have, it more put together because yeah. my parents are very by the book. Like my dad is an accountant and my mom actually works for him. So they're very obedient to th- making th- sure things are set up. Right. So until I was able to get to the point where uh, here's my books, this is what I do. And you know, all these things I didn't tell them because I didn't want them to be questioning more. And um, once I kind of told them it was a nice weight lifted off my shoulders, they supported it. I think they were just happy I was doing something. Yeah. I don't think they honestly knew exactly what was going on with it. Did, did it kind of feel like just like it, did you would come out to a parent as if to say, look at I'm gay. It was very like intense. Cause I, I remember like thinking like I'd be on the phone with my mom, like many times before that and thinking like, I'm just living a lie. I'm not even telling them what the hell's going on. They're over there worried about me thinking like this kid doesn't know what he's doing in his life. He doesn't have a job. So it, like I said, it was like a probably a similar feeling where, you know, if you were coming out as gay or whatever, that a weight lift, you know, weight gets lifted off your shoulders. And I was able to step into it more, I think, because of that. So I was able to be like, wow, my parents gave me the go ahead. And maybe that was not the best thing because I I think it was like the go ahead to stepped it up to get a little bit crazier. But um, so I'm very thankful for them, like supporting my, you know, outside the box type of life. I mean, my, I have two brothers, my older brother, he's also an accountant, my younger brother, he's an engineer. So they've known, you know, since they were in high school or college that, you know, this is what I want to do. I never knew that. So I've kind of been bouncing around and trying to figure it out. They're just Um, happy that you weren't homeless. Exactly. Or in in jail. Yeah, I had the same because both of my brothers are lawyers. So I was the one they're like, oh, shit, what's going to happen to this one? So I I know the feeling. Yeah. And sometimes I honestly feel like I'm like I used to think this more, I think, is like, oh, they're just looking at me in this way. Like, why can't he just be normal? And because but I think it's really comes out of love. They just want to make sure like that I'm, you know, okay, and that things are set up in a way that's like, I can provide for myself and all that. So it's understandable. 
Um, but to get back, way, just, to, just to, I need a little bit more of that story. Yeah. How did you tell them? And what was the reaction? Just, just to give me a little bit more. Cause it um, does. I mean, it, I told them because they, they used to have this. No, no, no. Like I, I want you to say, I want the moment. I want you to yeah. say, I said this, they okay. said that, like, like how did that play out? <laughs> ah, man, it's, it's, it was so long ago. It was like 10 years ago when I told them, but I think like, basically I, my parents had a lake house. And there, I think it was Easter and they're like, why don't you come down to the lake house for Easter weekend? And I remember like renting a car and being like, I'm going to tell them I have the, I have like the official do- incorporated documents and I'm going to show them this. And I remember them like showing it. And I just was like, obviously super nervous to tell them, but I just remember them, you know, not even like not like even in a bad way, just like not really saying much, but like listening. And that was very, I think that's what really like I appreciate is like, okay, like I just want to be heard and like that. This is, this is what I'm, I'm doing. This is why I'm doing it. And to be honest, I think they took it in the best way possible because they didn't like say like, why are you doing this? Or, um, and ask more questions. I feel okay, like I nice. presented it in a way where I had enough time to think about it. Okay. <laughs> and, well, that, and that, 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 that got my morbid curiosity yeah. out of it. Yeah. Thing. Nothing like, I mean, honestly, like I said, I've been very blessed with like supportive parents. Um, I think I just know how to talk to them now, nice. like in the best way. So you just show them the balance sheet and say, Hey, this is what it, this is what yeah. my profitability will yeah, be. Ba- yeah. Basically. Yeah. That's exactly what I show them. And that, and I show them that I was like a registered business and we had, <laughs> we, we had insurance. So like all the little things that are, you know, make you more liable, but, um, but yeah. Um, but yeah, to get to your question before is with that company, I was able to take a lot of trips uh, in the summer, we would take one of the buses and we had it turned into an RV and we would travel the country. And I remember doing this. We started doing that in 2011, kind of after I told my parents. We did it in 2012 again. And then we did it in 2013 again. And we went 110 days on this bus. And 110 days living on a bus with three other guys and two Great Danes and a cockatoo. Just kind of paint the picture. And this is a school bus that we trans- transformed into a party bus. And, but like at the same time, it was, we had bunk beds, we had like a kitchenette. And I travel 110 days all over the US. And, but to even paint the picture a bit more, I was living on the bus for four months prior to that. Wow. So I was living on that bus for basically eight months straight. And I remember leaving the last stop of our uh, journey was California. And we stayed there for about 50 days. And I remember leaving there to drive across, back across the U.S. to Florida. And I don't know if it was the come down off of alcohol mixed with the heat and a lot of time to think while I was driving. But all I know is I just remember like, I'm done. I'm done with this. Like, I want to get a place to live. I want something. I, I don't want to do this again. I felt like that last trip made me look at it as this is a repeat. I'm, I'm going in a circle. I'm yeah. working, I'm working all ye- school year, basically what we did for the college kids. That's where I, I ran the bus company. And then I'm spending all the money in the summer to do a trip 
And it was awesome, awesome experiences. Got to explore a lot, do a lot of national parks. But I remember after doing it that many times, I was like, I want something more. And there was a small, small little urge of like, I need to change something up. I need to figure this out. I wish there was like a a grander moment of time where it was just like from there, especially from that point where I was just like, oh, I'm good now. But that's not how it works. Like when you have a desire, you start taking a step you know, forward and then two steps backwards and sideways and all that. And yeah. it, it took me a while to actually um, get to a point where I started making progress actually. And, but that, and I think what really, when that happened was I met a girl who I started dating who wasn't into the party scene. So she actually probably started my journey on a greater level because I was staying in when I was usually out party yeah. mm. and it was making me more sober and making me feel things that I didn't feel before and see things that I didn't see before. And I think for the first time in my life, I felt this like, well, the first time in a long time, I guess you'd say, I felt like an ambition for like, oh, I want to, I'm like, want to do this. I want to create, I want to, you know, make things happen. And it was awesome to feel that. And also like, I never like, there was never a time that I had a relationship before that where I actually can say that I felt the love that I felt for this girl. And I was like, wow, it's amazing what you can feel when when you're sober. And it made me start looking at things in a different way too with how I was acting before. And I'm looking, you know, at my, my prior self and being like, wow, like, this is being very selfish to my family. This was being very selfish towards other girls I dated in the past, just because I was choosing to numb myself and I couldn't see that before. So really a lot of the growth came from like, you know, starting dating that girl. And um, when just to fast forward the story a little bit, when she broke up with me about, uh, about 16, 18 months, you know, into the relationship, um, I think it was like a very monumental moment because it was like I could either go back to how I was before numbing myself or I can continue on this journey by myself and really kind of take it to another level. And I ended up doing that. I, you know, I just kept like, you know, I was like, Hey, I want to really kind of put forth the effort. And it's, it's definitely harder when you don't have someone in your corner. Um, But I was motivated by her at the start and then I had to self-motivate. I had to learn yeah. how to self-motivate. What was the reason that she dumped you? Um, it was. <laughs> <laughs> I I honestly, it, yeah, it, it's funny because it's like I could look back now and like laugh completely because that, but it wasn't even like a, I think it was just the way it hit me. It rocked me so hard because I didn't see it even coming. It yeah. kind of just was like, everything's cool. But I guess like she wasn't telling me that everything wasn't cool before. And just one day, like, you know, we went out and she was like, yeah, breaking up, breaking up with me. And I basically totally unexpected from your side, completely unexpected. So it really, really rocked my world. Like, you know, I was messed up after that. Like my I was just literally felt like I was broken into a thousand pieces. And I and honestly, I think because I didn't get a great explanation at the time, it made it that harder. Because I didn't really understand. So I honestly, the day that she broke up with me, I never I have still to this day never seen her. And and that 
And that's kind of crazy when you think about it. Cause it's like, usually you think like, Oh, you know, like you'll, you'll have, you'll have another talk or, you know, something will be like that there. Maybe there's been like, I was able to close like, you know, sometimes you're like yearning for closure from that other person. I was able to give myself closure by replaying into my head and being like, this is closure, which is awesome. Like I was able to get to that point eventually, but for a while that really affected me in a grander way. Um, I think it was honestly, but to, to give you like a small answer, I think it was because as you guys probably know, we are all on different growth levels and she was on this other growth level than I was at the time. You know, she had her shit together. I still was kind of working on my shit. I felt like also, I felt like her family played a big role into that too, as in like, this is what we expect, you know, from you and kind of putting things into her head as in like this guy, he's not, he doesn't really have a shit together. Where do you see this going? So I think that, I think honestly, that was a big part of it. But I think at the end of the day, I, uh, as much pain as that caused, I wouldn't be the person that I am without it now. Yeah. You know, mm. you said so much there. I, my brain kind of, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it, it, you know, something honestly, you said about the closure thing that I think I, it's come up a lot when um when I'm working with people. I think we've discussed this as well a few times, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. So there, there's a principle of not ending a relationship in not a clean way because there's a kind of when one person just leaves, it leaves the other person in confusion and suffering as opposed to. Um, doing it with love mm-hmm. and staying in connection with the other person in a way two people decide to be together. So two people get to decide if they want to be together or not. Mm-hmm. Was that the thing? I think it, that was it. I think I clarified the second part of the breakup was that when the individual has discomfort and they're not at peace with their discomfort, they want to leave and not share what's really going on mm-hmm. because they don't necessarily feel comfortable about what's going on themselves. Yeah. So they don't leave space for the real interaction. Like, Hey, this is really the reason why I'm breaking up and I want to be clear about it. And I don't want you to have, you know, there's not that sort of forthright um, diplomacy or whatever the term might be. Well, yeah, I think it's, uh, I mean, to kind of dive into that bit, I think it's fear from the other person that they're going to hurt you, but they actually really hurt you more by, by, you know, holding on to it, not, not even telling you. And I think that was, to be honest, I think it took me about a year and a half before I could really want to even consider dating anyone or even like um, thinking about it on a on a different level. I I think I took that energy, that uh, the pain, that suffering, that hurt, and channeled it into my self growth. That mm-hmm. was and. I almost maybe have taken that to an extreme at points because I am now like, I haven't really had a serious relationship since that one, which was, you know, six years ago. And a lot of times, ladies, ladies, I, 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 Anthony is available to all you ladies out there. um, (laughs) Yeah, no, but a lot of times I've, I've just kind of like, I want to be, my best self before I get into a relationship with someone. And I think that has made me look at relationships in a different way. So it's like, if I was in to get into one and it was more serious now, uh, I would probably um, have different expectations from a partner than I did before. And, but for me, I have, I have, 
big expectations of myself and making sure that I'm on that page to let someone in, in this great, in greater way. Cause especially like, I mean, if you've been hurt before, which I know probably have, it messes you up to a point where you're a little bit guarded to letting someone peel off the layers as quick. And I've seen that happen to me many times as in, uh, I think I just channel it in different outlets is in my inability to commit sometimes, um, to, uh, maybe not a relationship, but it, it bleeds off into other areas and like, Oh, commit to a place to live and yeah. plant myself here, commit myself in this way to this thing that I'm doing. Um, maybe business that idea that I have, it's like, I want to make sure that this is exactly the place. This is exactly the person I want to spend my life with. I think a lot of people, they don't have that time. They didn't take that time to do that. And that's why a lot of marriages end in divorce or any things that work out. I think when I do find the right person, I'm going to know because usually I've known if this is the right move because I'm very, uh, I guess, in tune to myself in that way that, I, like I said, most people don't take the time to do so. I'm curious because in in your past, when you were being this party animal, probably you did have a lot of women that might even have glued to you, but because you were not caring or let's say you were disconnected from yourself, um, you didn't see that. And actually the, the more, the more you cleaned up, um, the opposite effect happened. So I'm wondering how, how far, in what I'm saying is true for you as, as a experience. No, and I think, I think you're right. I think it's, uh, and also, I mean, I'm older now, so it's kind of like, it's, uh, I think to be honest, the, when you're, I don't have a problem attracting women to me. I don't like, I can get on a dating app and have a lot of choices. Um, and some actually, I think it depends. Like, I think at my age, if once, you know, a girl take, you know, hits 30 or even like, you know, in her late twenties, I mean, most are ready to settle down and they're looking for this quality that I have of being like, wow, like he is knows himself really well, but then some are also turned off by that probably in some, some sort of ways because there there's a lot that, you know, like that it's almost scary to them. I think people don't, if they're not, if they, if he cares too much then, and they don't know themselves that well, then that is, that, you know, is foreign to them and therefore they don't even try to invest themselves into it. So I think when you are, and I think this happens in normal life is when you, we are usually fearful of people that know themselves really well. Cause that, especially if you don't know yourself. So I think that's maybe part of the reason why sometimes I don't have the opportunities I maybe I had back when I didn't care. Um, But at the same time, I'm not even worried about that because not saying because like, oh, I can get any girl or anything like that. I just know that whatever's meant to be will be. And so, you know, we'll see what happens. So Bambos, he's talking. Yeah. And all I'm doing is hearing your voice in my head. <laughs> what else? Yeah. It, it, my question to you, Bambos, to, not to you. Not to you. Philip Anthony. I always find it funny to say two names. Um, is when he speaks, yeah. 
where do you see like your experience different than his? Because if I listen to your experience over the last year, it feels very much aligned to what I hear Philip Anthony saying. Where do you find any sort of differences in how you've been? Uh, I, I would say that as I've grown and developed myself, the, the women that I was interested in 10 years ago, my in, it's completely changed. And in fact, the choice, as I'm getting older, I see my choices are narrowing in terms of a certain quality. I, I agree. I think, I think the, that's the one thing I see is it's harder to find the quality. Um, and so before we go down this road, because people are going to listen to this. And I remember Bambos got into a load of shit at some point, because when the quality goes in, it also can be seen as judgment. So I'd like to qualify what we mean when we say quality. And I would say, Oh, it's more that what, what the things that used to work for me in the past don't work for me now. Yeah, I would also want to reduce it to something else just to be really explicit. Well, I think quality to me is, um, well, I think okay, we all right. have. I think we all, you're right. Yeah. I, oh, I don't know if I'm right. I just, I, I, mean, I, I, I mean, I think we all have baggage, to be honest, but I think it's uh, how you carry your baggage. And if yeah. you know what he's saying is, as I was speaking, there, there is, there might be judgment towards women that don't fit in that in that area and in a way that's what Andy's pointing to so he he wants to fine tune i would wanted to fine tune the word so it couldn't be misinterpreted in a way oh okay got it i thought you were trying to i thought you were trying to dive into it more and and act like what what is that exactly well i i did but i could actually i wanted to give it an impersonal i I often see the words we use can direct things to become personal or become less personal so the less personal is and, and I asked this to both of you. What are the traits you're looking for in the women that you're like more attracted to now compared to what you were less attracted to or what you were attracted to before? Mm. Uh, I can I can go first. I mean, kind of what I kind of what I just described. It's like someone that knows themselves really well. Okay. Um, that someone. So, and, so what does that mean in real terms? So so you're going out on a date. And she says, I want fish. And you say, you know what? There's a lot of mercury in the ocean nowadays. (laughs) And then all of a sudden she starts shouting at you at the table and saying, why do you need to make it always about the, 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 the planet? That's his wife. No, I don't. She's never done that. Honestly, I don't even, uh, I don't think it's that. I think it's that uh, they are, they hold themselves in a way where they don't need you. They are independent. They are, they are comfortable being themselves. They are comfortable. Um, and as in being themselves there, I, I, I think what one of my turnoffs is a lot when I, especially in the dating apps is most girls use filters on everything. And it's, it's like how you're going to start off basically deceiving me. Like, I mean, that's, I, I want, if I'm looking for trust, and I w- I'm looking for openness. You're starting it off with deception by putting a filter. So I don't even know if that's really like how you look, et cetera. So for me, it's really like someone that's so comfortable in their skin and that, that can take care of themselves that they don't need me. It's really just like, if you find me, maybe we can be better together. And mm-hmm. I think that's really the hard thing to find because a lot of people... I think they don't, 
if they do find themselves in that way. So if say a woman found herself in that way, Mm -hmm. it might be after she's in a relationship in some sort of way. And then that doesn't even put it on the the table for me. So I think it's very, very rare where someone will try to do the work to get to that point. And, and, and I think that's what maybe happens to a lot of people or a lot of women or even men after they hit like 40 or 45 or 50, they just stop giving a damn. And then you find more of their authentic self. But usually I think that happens in when they're in a relationship and they, or they have a midlife crisis of some sort of thing happens. Um, So I think that's really the quality. What I'm looking for is someone maybe that knows themselves in that way. That's not trying to be something they're not. And that is comfortable, um, you know, showing me um, their vulnerable side, to be honest. Beautiful. Bamba? How about you? Um, I have I have a poem from... Uh, and actually, I, I am in a relationship currently. And she's coming this evening all the way from Cyprus. And Big I, night. I am fucking nice. excited. Hell yeah. We've been, be. count, we've been counting the hours. How long have you been seeing her for? I met her when I was in Cyprus... Um, Two months ago, okay. two months ago, we've been talking every other night since I'm back. Nice. I'm glad you used the word excited, you know, to see her. I think that's, that's important. I think, um, you want to be with someone that excites you that not is just okay. That is like, cause I mean, like there's a lot of options I think that I have out there that, you know, like I will meet up with someone and sometimes I see I'm excited to meet this person. Yeah. Not this, this one. Eh, well then I'd know that it's, if I'm not feeling that, you know, deep down the excitement, it's not going to, it's not going to last. I want that excitement. I want you to actually, I, I really want you to push me out of my comfort zone. Cause I'm don't, I don't, I haven't felt this in a while. You know, I think those are the signs. Okay. I, I, I love Bolalong is hanging on a thread. <laughs> Read it. Bambos. The Bolalong is our, is our third wheel. Yeah. He's a third wheel. South he's Africa. in South Africa. He's basically nice. a third interviewer. Bolalong, yeah. What's up, man? So, so this one is called the invitation or I am mountain dreamer. Mm-hmm. It doesn't interest me what you do for a living. I want to know what you ache for. And if you dare to dream of meeting your heart's longing, it doesn't interest me how old you are. I want to know if you will risk looking like a fool for love, for your dream, for the adventure of being alive. It doesn't interest me what planets are squaring your moon. I want to know if you have touched the center of your own sorrow, if you've been opened by life's betrayals, or have become shriveled and closed from fear of further pain. I want to know if you can sit with pain, mine or your own, without moving to hide it or fade it or fix it. I want to know if you can be with joy, mine or your own. If you can dance with wildness and let the ecstasy fill you to the tips of your fingers and toes without cautioning us to be careful, be realistic, remember the limitations of being human. It doesn't interest me if the story you're telling me is true. I want to know if you can disappoint another to be true to yourself. If you can bear the accusation of betrayal and not betray your own soul. If you can be faithless and therefore trustworthy. I want to know if you can see beauty even when it is not pretty every day. And if you can source your own life from its presence. 
I want to know if you can live with failure, yours and mine, and still stand at the edge of the lake and shout to the silver of the moon, yes. It doesn't interest me to know where you live or how much money you have. I want to know if you can get up after the night of grief and despair, weary and bruised to the bone, and do what needs to be done to feed the children. It doesn't interest me who you know or how you came to be here. I want to know if you will stand in the center of the fire with me and not shrink back. It doesn't interest me where or what or with whom you've studied. I want to know what sustains you from the inside when all else falls away. I want to know if you can be alone with yourself and if you truly like the company you keep in the empty moments. It's beautiful. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's right there. You summed it up. It's funny the what you just read is something that I imagine everyone listening would say they could identify with. And yet when when a reality shows up and they're put in the situations where they have the choice, then it it, it isn't a, a, the decision that they'll make. Mm. Instagram putting the filter or doing the thing that presents them in a better light will be more tempting than just surrendering to what is and what feels and allowing that authentic expression. So it's interesting for me because I'll, of course, read these and see the memes and see people post really beautiful quotes. And I'm always laughing because there's the contradiction between the desire for the thing and then doing things that are consistent with that message. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. I think uh, I think everyone could probably, like you said, that listen to that or hears that and it's, it's what they desire deep down, you know, yeah. they want that, but it's, it's, uh, we're, we're influenced too much in, in other ways. That's the yeah. thing. Yeah. Well, you know, um, I, I, I think also when a woman would use, uh, um, filters, I mean, a filter is there, it's a tool, it can be fun. Mm-hmm. And, and I think I don't, I don't, put any value judgment on the filter in a way of she's doing it with an intention, whether that, Oh, wow, I don't feel secure enough and I want to put myself out there. This is my first way of doing it. Or maybe it's like, Hey, I'm going to use this filter because it's fun. So I I see it also as a way to, as an act of self-love, even like someone using a filter can be an act of self-love because that's what, makes them feel expansive oh i like the way i look under this light i mean look at you you've got this fucking natural yeah bra- i've been thinking to myself the whole time, <laughs> how do i get the same light you do so i look naturally <laughs> vibrant we have these we've got great light gotta get next now. to a, a window <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not in amsterdam we don't, have, we don't have sun here uh yeah i mean uh, it, it's, it's cloudy right now here but it's still like enough to you know shine it in but but yeah i get what you're saying it's uh i think i don't know maybe because i've you know been in the modeling industry and you know see things in a, in a way a lot of people don't but i just feel like when i see a lot of people 
on social media or whether it's a dating app, I feel like I'm trying, um, they're trying to sell me. And yeah. I, I feel like I'm, you're, and that obviously is, it's marketing, you know, it's trying to get someone else's attention. But I think sometimes that backfires is like you try too hard to sell and you lose you in the process. And I think uh, we as humans, and I think more so now than, you know, over the past, like maybe 20 years, but I think we're picking up on the authenticity more um, and, and can pick up. And for me, it's, it's the visual authenticity that unfortunately plays a big part. I can just, I'm a very visual person. And if I see that one way, I can't, it's hard for me to see it in a different way right off the bat. And yeah. I, I'm honestly, if I was on a dating app, I'd be more intrigued in what they're writing on for their answers. Um, because I'm, uh, I don't know. I think for me, it's the words too. like, it's, it's like you get to know them a little bit more than just a picture. So I need to, I don't try to like hold that judgment just because I see a filter, but if you have some words that maybe, um, can explain a bit more then that catches my attention. You're also in Florida and we have to acknowledge that in Florida and California, and I spent a lot of time in both locations, mm -hmm. there is far much of image curation than there is, for instance, in the Amsterdam. So, uh, okay. so if, I, if I'm in those markets and I'm seeing people presenting themselves in a certain light, I see it's far more considered part of a societal norm, which mm -hmm. is why I spend less time there. Uh, yeah, we, have some, we have some comments coming in. Um, says... Love never stops giving me goosebumps. She is intense, Bambos. That's from Bolalong. Love you, Bolalong. Um, and then he also says, very important follow-up. I will say it now. Philip's hair does it for me. <laughs> yes. I was, I was so, so uh, moved by your hair. I have to be honest. I was in, uh, jealous would be the wrong word, but certainly envious. And he's trying to catch up with me. Yeah, um, there was Heidi Haynes. I, I, she's written some things that I'm having a hard time interpreting. She says, allowing influence is the thing or disallowing it. Choice. Oh, choice was uh, to the comment that I made with uh, the filters. Oh, okay. I'm not exactly sure what you were getting at there, Heidi. So you might uh, write it a little bit more detail. We can bring it on if I understood better. You know, uh, even the word authenticity, I, I, I host uh, workshops called mm -hmm. Authentic Relating in Amsterdam. And what I've seen is, yes, people do come here also to connect with like-minded people. And uh, what's beautiful, because the conditions are there, when a man is vulnerable, but is using the vulnerability to seduce someone, let's say, like there's there's women in the group that are... That, are really sensitive Spider sense. and they'll call him out and and you know it those are beautiful moments because mm -hmm. it's like nothing is left no stone is left unturned and they're not judging him but it's like own your shit and that moment he's invited to own his shit and when he does it's one of the sexiest things that you could witness in a, in a brother or in a, in a sister even um that's awesome I, I i do i do think that's the the trait that we're not showing more of is uh, the vulnerability. I think whenever I've been open and honest and <clears throat> not afraid, it's always what attracts people 
you know, to the most to me. And it's about <clears throat> trying to find a way to be consistent with that and to where it just becomes you. It's a, that's the, I feel like the never ending work, you know, is having those uncomfortable, uncomfortable conversations, showing people sides of you that you don't want to show. Um, but that's where the real connection comes from, which is really amazing. That's what I yearn for. Honestly, that's why I think I threw that in there when I talked about, um, you know, a mate, like I want someone that's not afraid to be vulnerable because, um, that's the most attractive thing in, in my opinion. Yeah. So I'm going to take it back to the title of this, uh, show where I mm-hmm. stopped numbing myself in a way. I, I really craved for connection as a little boy mm-hmm. and it, it was really difficult to find, but I also didn't have the words to ask for it. So the 10 year drug addiction that I went through was really me numbing mm. because it was so painful for me. And I would even say it was, it was, it was until 2014, even though I came off drugs at the age of 25, 2014, I met this guy and he, he became my mentor and coach back then before we were friends. And, uh, Andy taught me to look for the connection inside myself. And once that happened, life got more easy for me because I stopped needing it from others. In fact, mm-hmm. I do these workshops now, but I'm just there holding the space and it's like, oh, I, I don't really need this anymore, but I'll, I'll do it sometimes just because I see it serves others mm-hmm. as opposed to me doing it as because I want to be surrounded by it. Mm. I like that. I, uh, I think that's, that's amazing that you were able to get to that point. I think that's kind of something that I've really gone in and out of in many different ways, even from, the drinking and uh, even the running the party bus business, it was uh, the community is probably the thing. Like, you know, I had a couple friends that were a big part of the business. And I remember when I started getting sober, I guess you'd say in a certain way and stopping the numbing, I started pushing those people away because it wasn't, uh, I didn't want to be around in that environment. Mm. didn't want to um and i think i think by doing so i felt like there was an emptiness inside me too because i yearned for that connection still um and and then i started that's when i think when i started having to try to work on myself to find that connection to me and to fulfill me rather than you know this person's going to complete me which i thought was the case before especially in relationships so i totally get what you're saying i think there's been many times actually even when i want to Hawaii to farm last year or even being in the modeling industry and even doing like the health coaching that I do now, it's there's part of me that yearns for a team uh, Mm. connection in, in a way that we're working on something together. I still think there is something in that, that I desire. Um, I'm not sure if it's, because I'm not giving myself something, but I've recently seen that as in why do, why was the main thing I wanted to go to Hawaii? Well, I wanted to grow food, but another big thing on the top of the list was I'm looking for a, a teamwork, you know, activity where I'm working towards something. And I ended up getting that and it was only, you know, a team of three people, but I ended up getting that now that I've been back from Hawaii and I'm, you know, investing more time into my coaching it's very similar, you know, cause it's like, 
I think a big part of life is uh, the taking the journey together and working on something together. And I've been watching actually a lot of documentaries, uh, even with like, I don't know if you guys seen the last dance with Michael Jordan and the bulls, um, yeah, you know, and, and the one thing that really stood out to me in that was like, it just is doing something with a team and, and you know, that is hard and getting in, in elevating your growth. That's something that I've really, trying to solve right now. I don't know if you guys have that similar feeling in, inside, but, you know, by doing like being a solo entrepreneur and taking these different, you know, risk, even like even the modeling industry, it's like, yeah, I have a, I have, you know, different agencies that are on top and helping me out. But it's not like I'm interacting with them every day. It's not like I'm feeding off their energy, you know? Yeah. So I find it a lot of times I hit a brick wall where I'm looking to, uh, when I'm feeling down or feeling like low on energy and questioning myself on where to go, I still think the community is needed in that way because I, uh, someone can easily pick me up. Yeah. I can pick myself up in a certain way where I'm not depressed and I'm not going down and I'm cool with being here. But if I wanted to elevate myself, I feel like I need that, you know, to bring someone else in. Yeah. Um, two things. The first one what came to me is, Conscious party bus. <laughs> Bot bus. bus. <laughs> and the second thing is, um, I went to my country uh, two months ago. And then mm -hmm. I, I stayed there the longest I've ever stayed. Normally, I'd stay seven to ten days. Um, it was enough to be with my family. But, you know, I, I would do a lot of social things. So I wouldn't have to be with them all the time. Mm -hmm. And this time I said, no, I'm going to go for three weeks. And I'm going to make effort to really connect with my family and, and get to know them better. Hmm. And, and because I am more at peace with myself, I don't need anything from them. So hmm. when I was there, I found exactly the thing that I, I see living as a foreigner in Holland was missing from me. And that is family and community. And I tapped into this abundance of love, which actually propelled me um, I'm in the mountains, by the way, waterfall, waters, and I'm like, fuck, I, I want to explore what it's like to live here. Mm -hmm. And so I, I let him know. So, hey, possibly I want to come back here. So October, I'm going back for three months to explore that. Yeah. But when I'm in Holland, I have to tell you, I love this country. So in a way, I, I have to figure out how to get the, the best of both worlds because the Netherlands for me is like, it, I, I love this country. Mm -hmm. I can't. But there, there's family and, and there's community. And there, it's like I'm there and everyone has each other's back. During COVID, if there, was, if there was a problem, like my sister delivers food to my brother when he was sick or whatever. Here, I mean, I've got Andy. I'm lucky to have Andy. But, uh, you know, Andy sometimes says, I wish you had more friends. And I'm like, I, I, there's not many people I want to spend time with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I totally, I totally get what you're saying though. Cause I, that's kind of where I'm torn. It's like, I'm still contemplating going back to New York um, or contemplating. I wouldn't even, I would contemplate going back to Hawaii, but my family lives in Florida and that's a big driver for me to stay here because I, and I think a big, even a bigger driver because when I was numbing myself, I wasn't in tune with, being part of the family in, mm -hmm. a, in a greater way. I feel like I missed out on some of my nieces, you know, uh, as, as babies and, you know, growing up 
now I have another niece and it's like, I see like, oh, this is an opportunity to be there and not just um, be this mythical person that you don't ever see and that maybe you'll you feel uncomfortable around, like actually know by name and be excited that he's coming over. And, it, and I've seen that. And that fills up my heart in a way that um, is hard to be, think about going, you know, across the country or, mm. or wherever. And I, so I totally get it. It's, it's, it's like you're torn and it's like, how do you get that being over there where maybe this is calling you, you know? Mm. I have a, a one side of the family thinks I'm a spy because I think we don't know how the hell he can live and just fumble around the, the planet living in different places randomly. Do you make money with, with no podcast? current job? <laughs> Actually, he, he is a spy. Yeah. Um, I, I want to say we've come to the end of the hour and I'm aware that Andy's wife came upstairs now because it's date night for Andy. Oh, <laughs> nice. Date night. Every Friday is date night. Yeah. Um, it's been really cool having you. And if women want to find you. Yes. No, no. Let's go back to what he really is doing. For, he's doing health and well-being, which we barely got into on the show. But no, if, people, if people would like to find out more about that, where would they go? Uh, you can go to my website, uh, philipmangan.com. Uh, I do offer a free 30-minute coaching call. Um, or you can go to my Instagram, uh, Philip Anthony Mangan. It's my full name. Mm-hmm. I'm actually taking a break from Instagram right now for the next month just because I feel like I needed to quiet out that noise. And But there's tons of value on there. If you want to get to know me a little bit better, um, go ahead and get over there or go to the website and let's let's chat today. Fantastic. Heidi Hines, uh, she wrote, because we said earlier, she says, we don't automatically get influenced without the power of our own choice. We can exercise our power of choice or allow our old habits to screen our influences when we filter out that which does not influence our highest self to betterment. That was in response to the earlier comment where we were talking about where we were going and who we wanted to connect with on the dating app. So that makes a lot of sense. Basically, we all, no one takes agency away from us. We get to decide what we want. And if we don't want to filter, we don't want to filter. That's okay. Yeah. That's if you don't not- want to, you can quiet out the noise. Like, I mean, like I said, if you don't even want to see it, you delete it and then yeah. de- delete the app. You know, if it's not, if it's not for your betterment, what she just said, then I don't think Instagram was bettering me on a greater scale of my mental health, uh, trying to be focused on that all the time. And I've done that for two days now, I've been off the you know social media and I feel an abundance of weight lifted, an abundance mm-hmm. of time on my hands. And I feel like this next month will be more of connecting to myself and my creativity. And I think that's kind of where we get lost in looking at everyone else's and, and all the things yeah. that we do and don't like, and then it influences us. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh... As soon as you get drawn into other people's lives, then you lose track of your own. So, mm-hmm. yeah, if you feel that going on, people, then it's time to start separating yourself from that. So find the inspiration on the social media if you can and leave the other stuff away because it's not serving you. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Beautiful. We send you a hug. Thank you. you. Yeah. No, thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. All the best. It's a wonderful chaos. Yes. We like it that way.